uh, they thought I was cool just because I lived in San Francisco and they used to call me Frisco Ike. That was Ike Shihada of Ike's Love and Sandwiches. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this podcast, Ike shares the story of his parents, both of whom are immigrants to the U.S. His dad arrived in SF from Saudi Arabia in 1968, and his mother followed roughly a decade later. I grew up in the sunset with his siblings, and he tells us about going to school and playing sports in the city back in the 80s and 90s. He went to high school in Millbrae and college at UC Davis. It was in Davis that a key ingredient to Ike's sandwiches came to be. Here's Ike. We're actually in the neighborhood right now. We're here in the Tenderloin, and my father came to the United States in 1968. He, he flew in, um, and he was, at the time, a teacher at the University of Saudi Arabia. And he came here for school and for, like, a better life. He went to Berkeley for a little bit, UC. And uh, so when he first came here, somebody gave him a number. He, told, he just told me this story pretty recently, but I had heard it before, too. So he, he flies, because he flew here, um, landed at SFO, you know, in Millbrae, and uh, <clears throat> called this number from the payphone at the airport, you know, because that's all they had in 1968. And this guy answers and goes, hey, he goes, hey, my name is Sam, uh, uh, so-and-so gave me your number, and I'm here at the airport. Um, you're supposed to be expecting me. And the guy on the other line, and I wish I remember this guy's name, um, uh, the guy on the other line goes, oh, I have no, no idea, like, what you're talking about. However, where are you? Great. What are you wearing? Great. I'm going to come pick you up. So he picks him up. Drives to the airport, drives around, remembers him from his description, picks him up, takes him to this neighborhood, Larkin and Ellis, and uh, feeds him, gives him a place to stay, shower, all that stuff. And that was like literally my dad's first night in San Francisco, 1968. A stranger picks him up from the airport, a friend of a friend, someone he had never met before until that night, and uh, came to this neighborhood where Ike is right now. And uh, that's how his... San Francisco life started. I wonder if your dad, like when that guy was like, uh, I don't know who you are, I wasn't expecting, I wonder if your dad had an oh shit moment. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, <laughs> what am I gonna do? Literally right? halfway around the world. Yeah, but, right. But it turned out awesome, it sounds like. Yeah, it turned out great. So my father uh, initially came here for a better life and, and to continue his education, even though he was already a professor in Saudi Arabia. And, uh, Basically, what happened, the very fast version of it, is he ended up owning the liquor store or the market uh, from this, this guy that picked him up. He started working there, then worked out a deal and bought the place from him on Larkin and Ellis. I don't think it's there anymore. Uh, the, the market is still there. And then my father was going to school and doing this market and was taught, uh, studying uh, engineering. And the professor one day goes, well, what are you doing? You know, he's telling him he's got this business and he's going to school. And this professor was like, you should probably, like, do the business. You can always come back to school if you want to. You're already educated. My father was 30, probably 30 at the time. Okay. He had already gone through school. He was just continuing his education. He was already a professor. So he ended up doing that. Uh, quit the, school. and Quit school. Did the business. Started doing the business and then started expanding on that, opening up, up another market on 16th and Mission, 
uh, which which is where Dirty Sauce ended up becoming invented at 16th Emission. So this whole like random dude that picks up my dad from the airport the first night, that guy says, nope, never heard of you. Boom, maybe Ike's Dirty Sauce doesn't even exist. Or maybe my dad doesn't get in the, the market business because uh, I actually learned my, my work ethic from watching my father go to work every single day, being self-employed. You know, maybe if he stayed in school and didn't become self-employed and was a teacher or whatever he ended up being instead, I wouldn't have learned, like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur myself. Right. Yeah. That's one hell of a sliding sliding doors story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, so I am assuming your parents met at some point? Yeah, so my parents, my <laughs> father, uh, yeah, they met. My parents met. They, <laughs> they knew met, each other. And so both my parents are from Palestine. Both were born in Jerusalem. Okay. And uh, they met there, but my father was here, and he was not uh, with my mother at the time. He ended up going back. And they meet or whatever, and that stuff happens, and then they get married there. Oh, okay. In Jerusalem. Okay. And then they come back here. Uh, I assume I was consummated over there. You know, I was conceived. Conceived. Yeah. There. And Do you know if your here. mom had ever been, or did like did she just kind of move? No, when my mother came here with back with my father, had never been in the United States before. Right. Okay. So San Francisco was also her first experience of the United States. Right. She was. 1718 at the time my father was 32 or 34 or something and this was a few years after your first, dad's first trip in 68 yeah so what, my dad moved here like came here and stayed here and moved here went bought the business and he went back i think with the specific in that culture like he specifically went there to go get married and got my you know found my mom and they met they had their whatever happened and and then possibly con- your conception i you know i mean <laughs> I'm born nine months and one day after the there day they go. were married, so, yeah, like, go. for sure I was not conceived in this country. Right. But, <laughs> right. But um, I was born here. Has your mom shared with you her first impressions of, of coming here? Yeah, she shared, she shared a little bit, so... And do you know which year, what year that was? Let's see, if I was or born roughly. in 78, and we were definitely here by then, so she either came in 77 or 78. Got it, okay. So, yeah, my mother comes here and doesn't speak English. I know she told me how she learned English was was basically watching Sesame Street and stuff with me. Right. When I'm a kid and watching uh, PBS. And that's how she learned how to speak English. Even her friends that were here that she got introduced to through my father's fear of influence, most of them spoke to her all in Arabic. So that's their first language, yeah. both of my parents. So she didn't have that much opportunity to practice English other than with uh, some people that may have been able to speak English a little bit. But so watching PBS. And Hell so yeah. she was also young, 18. So I was born, she was 18, maybe 19. So she's 18, new country, new language, and a mom. Right. Uh, and they got to take care of this this guy, right? Yeah. So, and then my father's at work like seven days a week because he owns his own market and, and he's his own employee and he doesn't go to work. We don't eat. Right. So then my father's also like doing that. So she's basically by herself there. And um, are you an only child? You have siblings? No, no, no. I, I'm. I'm. Uh, so my parents together had. So I'm the oldest, and then. Um, they had a, a sister after me, and then a brother, and then another sister. Okay. So growing up in San Francisco, I grew up with three siblings. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so um, 
yeah, I don't think I have any other questions about your parents, okay. but um, yeah, let's let's hear about your life besides watching Sesame Street. All right. <laughs> what was it like? You you had mentioned earlier that you grew up in the Sunset, is that right? Or yeah, so okay. we grew up. Uh, my father's house was on Thirty Third in Noriega. He bought he bought that. Um, I'm pretty sure before they got married, and then and then when so when we moved or when cool my area. mom moved here, then we were there. So we it was on Noriega between Thirty Third and. Um, it was on 33rd between Moraga and Noriega. Got it. So on 33rd. And, uh, I mean, that's where I grew up, the house we grew up in. And I remember just being there. Like, the sunset was, I mean, freaking way different than it is now. I was going to say way foggier and colder and just different. Yeah. Yeah. It was sweat, sweatshirt or sweater weather every day. Yep. And I remember when I um, eventually, and I don't know if I'm skipping ahead, but when I learned later on that if I was going to leave that area, that I needed to make sure I had a shirt underneath my sweater or sweatshirt so I could just take off my sweatshirt yep. and then have my T-shirt underneath. Um, otherwise, it'd be too hot in the other areas of the city. It's like the reverse tourist thing when yeah. they come here in July and they're like in shorts and shit. And it's like, no. No, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so what was it like, uh, the sunset? What, what kind of things did you do? Well, so let's see. When, um, I'll, when did I start doing things? Well, I started hanging out at this park on 29th and Lawton. It's still there, Sunset Rec Center. And that was my introduction into um, sports and arts and crafts and, and other stuff like that. So I started probably going there around 7, 8. And it was walking distance, so 29th, so four blocks. And then Lawton, what, like three? So, no, probably less than that. It's probably five blocks away from my house. Okay. So I w went there, and then eventually, like, when I was, like, 10 and 11 and 12, I just started, like, going there in the summers just by myself, either to play basketball, which I was freaking terrible at, or um, I played on the soccer team for that. Um, I didn't Actually, most of the sports I played growing up, other than for school, I played for the Sunset Rec Center right. team where they played against other parks around the city. Yeah, the... Uh, forget what the name of the league was but we played against like west sunset and south sunset and the Coppin and all these other parks and each we you know would, would field the team so i played soccer that was i think the first sport that i actually played on a team did you like it no i hated it oh. well I'll, I'll tell you i i wouldn't i can't say that i hate i didn't give soccer a chance what happened is the first day of our game and i'm like eight so i got these cleats on and i'm running and i'm running late so i'm running on concrete with the cleats, and I'm running because I'm like, oh man, coach is gonna chew me out. Like it's my first day. I don't want to get, you know, yelled at or whatever. Not that I thought. I don't even remember the coach. So I don't even think he was like that. But, but I was like, I need to get there. So I'm running, 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 and I go to turn to turn and my, like I've never even had cleats on before in my life. So I skid on the on the uh, concrete and I just slide and I get this like road rash on my left side of my leg. So I'm like, oh man, this is friggin' terrible. And then I go out in there and play soccer and. Uh, hello, nobody told me about shin guards. Oh, God. So I spent the next, like, 30 or 45 minutes getting kicked in the shin with a whole bunch of other eight- and nine-year-olds that are uncoordinated and just, like, running around and kicking and kicking. Yeah. So my shins were destroyed. My leg was terrible. And I was like, that's it. I quit. It's the only sport I ever quit, and I gave it one day. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, but it kind of chewed you up. I, I got, right? That was a terrible day. Uh, <laughs> if I had shin guards, maybe it would have went different. Maybe I could have just handled the road rash or whatever. And if someone t had told you, it's no big deal if you're late, dude. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, if I just 
walked in like yeah like if i was a superstar soccer player and just showed up in my fake fur coat and and just like walked in all prima donna y and then had had uh, shin guards maybe i'd be a superstar soccer player it was clearly so also, good thing that didn't happen because sandwiches wouldn't happen exactly right? yeah. yeah if you just had the right attitude yeah <laughs> Um, okay, cool. Well, that's that's up until you said about... Uh, that was like eight, uh, nine. Eight yeah. or nine, okay. Um, how about... Um, did you go to public schools or, or tell us about your schooling? Yes, so for preschool, I went to a place called Playmates. In the, Also in the way outer sunset, it was like on 40th, maybe, 40-something. And like way out there, Terravel-ish, Santiago-ish, Yoloa-ish, something like that. And... For uh, elementary school, I actually went to Alamo Elementary on 22nd and Clement. That is the sandwich, which is why it's on the menu, the Alamo Elementary. And so uh, I went there, uh, which was not in our district, so sneaky-deaky parents gave us an address on, on that side. I don't, I don't, and I don't know why they decided that. I don't know if, if Alamo was a good school or something back then. But I went to Alamo. We were the alligators. The, our theme was Be a Friend. So be a friend. Then I went to I went to private school for sixth, seventh, eighth grade in the sunset at Holy Name, and that's 39th and uh, Lawton. So I used to walk I used to walk to that school every single day, and so what? And, and then I, that's actually when I started becoming a cool kid. I think we talked about cool kid earlier because I started playing sports and I and what I noticed as I well I'm I'm very diminutive in size. I'm like five foot two. And was not ripped like I am now, right? But uh, definitely not back then. So, and I was probably not even five feet tall until high school. So I learned from a young age, if I wanted the other guys to accept me as part of the crew, that I needed to try harder and be good at sports because that's what the guys liked. In fact, back then it didn't matter about uh, being suave with the ladies or whatever because we didn't like ladies back then. Um, and so uh, that wasn't cool. So I went out there and I was like, I'm going to really try harder and hustle and all that stuff. So I started playing basketball and baseball and, and football. And I actually was kind of good at some of those things. Did and you like any of those? I liked. So playing baseball. Oh, this is where being really short worked. Yeah. Is I would get walked like, I don't know. I would, there would be times where in the whole game, I was like, oh, this pitcher has no control, and I just stand there the whole time and not even swing the bat once. Because your strike like, zone is like the that whole big. Game. Yeah. So I'd get on base like five out of five times some games or, or you know, three out of four times some games. And, uh, and then I was fast because I'm little and low to the ground, and I knew how to like slide. Stealing so, bases. Yeah, stealing bases and stuff like that. Once they were allowed to steal bases. So I really enjoyed getting on base and then like messing around with the catch because – as a 10-year-old and an 11-year-old, some leagues didn't allow steals, which, of course, like, how's an 11-year-old going to throw anybody out, right? However, if, like, there's a wild pitch, you're allowed to run. So I'd just be like, wild pitch, and just take off. Like, and, um, and there was, like, a cheat code. Like, if I ran and then it ended up being a wild pitch, then you get the base. But if I ran and it wasn't a wild pitch, I would have to run back. Oh, right. So you could cheat because... Almost zero percent chance you're gonna get caught stealing. Just run anyway. And you, I would just run, and then if the if there was a wild pitch, then uh, then it'd be like a free base. So I really like that. I really like scoring uh, runs, and so that was fun. Baseball was fun. Football, 
a little less fun because people like to hit you and uh, you know, which is which is what you're supposed to do and I was definitely small so then I started learning like how to take hits and then I started doing martial arts when I was 12 on Terravel uh, in 42nd right across the street from Tidal uh, Riptide Rip- Riptide yeah. yes right across the street from there and once I started doing that and actually literally getting hit then I was like oh I can handle like any sport because I don't uh, conditioning over time you get punched in the ribs or punched in the face a bunch it doesn't hurt as it's much it's like immunity anymore. almost yes. right you build up a tolerance yes yeah. definitely okay. and then uh, same thing with the basketball like I'm low and it's a tall human sport as a generalization and so they're dribbling and I, I'd literally be like oh the ball's right there and I just take it so I'd, I'd get like I, I was terrible every single I'm trying to think when the hell did I actually score my first basket <laughs> right. Probably not until like I was 14 or something. Like even though I played from like 9, 10, 11. Couple I years. shoot a lot and either miss a lot or get swatted a lot. So I learned just play defense and then steal pass. the ball. Yeah, so I'd steal the ball. Like I remember there'd be games where, where the person that I would be guarding, um, even if they were like the best player on the team, as long as they weren't like six foot like five, which is a possibility even though sure. you're 12. As long as they were, I'd say, like, say if they were 5'9 and shorter, which is tall for a 12-year-old, I was able to guard them because if they put the ball on the ground, which is everybody when they're 12, then they're going to get it taken from me or I'd or harass them enough that they needed to, to get the ball off. So that was also fun, like playing so defense found, and stuff you like found that. some niches in these sports by being kind of sneaky, sounds like. Very sneaky. But, which, also, but also using all your advantages. So exactly. Like your, your physical And so I've been advantage. doing that since uh, since young age. But then it also turned me into being the uh, cool growing up in the city. All of a sudden I was like, oh, nobody, like, I would uh, people would pick me last. Like, literally. I was like, oh, there's a, a girl that's my same height that, like, it's her first time ever playing basketball. Sure, we'll take her over Ike. You know, or whatever. Oh, it's it's, uh, it's some it's some guy that uh, you know whatever, and they just like pick me last all the time, and then all of a sudden, there I was, and they're like, well, actually, you know what? I really don't like it when Ike plays defense on me, so I'm just gonna pick him, so he doesn't like steal the ball from me every time. Right. Yeah. Take away that threat. Yes. So now it's like your um, teenage, early teenage years, and now you're kind of kind of cool, or. Definitely. I mean, especially, I'll, I will say this, when, when I started doing the martial arts part, which I think was a big changer for me, because then uh, I did definitely live in fear of getting beat up, whether that was at school, um, like from kindergarten-ish to probably seventh grade, I would get in at least one fight a week, and, and especially in elementary school, and by fight, I mean getting beat up. Not, there was not a, a fight in the traditional sense. <laughs> right. And sometimes it'd be two on one too, even though like the one would have, would have done it. And I mean, it's just a thing. So uh, um, I actually, when I, even back then when it used to happen often, I remember thinking like, oh man, now when they were beating me up, kind of like we were talking about with the martial arts, it like helped me playing football because I didn't have to worry about somebody coming up and, and choking me from behind because like, I get hit all the time, so over time it, it, it made me stronger and more confident. I don't want to like uh, what, do, what do I want to call it? I don't want to like enable bullies or whatever. But like, I look backing now, I, I can totally see a lot of benefits that translated in, into martial arts. When I tried out for um, went to the state championships in martial arts, tried out for the Olympics in uh, wrestling, 
And all this was like, I was like, oh, I got beat up for like five years. Why not? But once I started doing the martial arts and I no longer had the fear of getting beat up, not that I didn't get beat up, but I didn't have the fear of it anymore. Because one thing is growing up in the sunset in uh, the 80s and was that it was like, um, I was afraid of like, the, I mean, there was a lot of gangs out there back then when I was growing up. And I don't remember the specific, like, groups that were the, were the gangs, but I remember, like, oh, I better watch out because, like, this gang might beat me up. And I also don't want to mention them right now in case they want to beat me up now, right? <laughs> right, so, right, right, right. But, like, this gang might beat you up or this gang or these gangs are fighting each other. And if you're out in that territory, you better watch out about these blocks and stuff like that. And that was definitely a real thing for me growing up. Can we go back to, I, I just want to hear a little bit about your like high school years, um, both your experience and then like, meaning your experience in school, but also what was the city like? Like, were you starting, I feel like teenage years is when you're starting to like get out with your friends and like go to other parts of town, maybe go to, I don't know, down the peninsula or whatever. Like, where, was any, were you doing any of that kind of stuff? Cool. Yeah. What was it like? So I went to... This would be 90s, right? Kind of I went to middle. high school like 90... I graduated in 96, so 96, what, 95, 93, 92, whatever, 93, right? Something like that. Uh, graduated Holy Name, I think, 92, I think. So, so you went to Holy Name for I went to Holy Name... Uh, oh, no, no, middle. No, eighth grade. That's middle. So I, uh, after eighth grade, uh, I, was, I was enrolled to go to Sacred Heart uh, Prep or... I don't know, Sacred Heart Cathedral, the one over here in the city. and uh, But I ended up not going. My parents decided, I don't know, maybe they didn't want this, uh, the private school experience or the Catholic school experience, and I ended up going to Mills High School in Millbrae for my high school. Okay. Again, sneaky parents used a different address. Um, I did, um, one of the guys that, one of my cousins um, that I'm really, really, really close with and one of my mentors as far as business goes, um, lived out there, and so we just used his address, and I went to Mills High School for all four years. Uh, for high school and um, so actually this is another part where like the cool kid thing came in because I lived in the city I was automatically by default like cooler than somebody that lived right. in um, Millbrae or Burlingame you know no offense to Millbrae and Burlingame I love both of those places of love and we got a nice in Burlingame but like uh, they thought I was cool just because I lived in San Francisco and they used to call me Frisco Ike so my, my experience there was um, I mean I was probably accepted right away there, even though I didn't know a single person at that school. Um, and actually, it ended up turning out that there was a guy that I went to junior high, or I went to preschool with, that was one year ahead of me at Mills. And I was like, oh, wow, like, I actually know this guy. So, but I essentially knew nobody there, but by association to the city, was just accepted right away. And I remember my first day at school, um, I was like, oh, wow. I heard first days of school is supposed to be terrible. And mine was decent-ish. Uh, once they found out I was from the city, it was like all gravy. So, like, I got the, the city reputation that helped me out even in a, a time of uh, really, really, really tough, tough uh, part. I remember one of my favorite classes I took my freshman year. I took... Uh, Back then, it was called a home economics. I don't know what that, oh, yeah. that class would be called now. Yeah. But I was basically home ec, which, which also allowed for me to be part of the cool group or accepted group because that whole, everybody in home ec was like basically a senior trying to slack off their. Uh, they needed their one more year. credit. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like, here's a here's a science class that was easy. You get gonna get easy credit for. So it was me as a 14 year old and 13 year old with like. 
18 year old like oh my god and, and 17 year olds and they can drive and and so I was also like um, that just like started the whole thing like I'm, fr I'm from the city and I hung out with all the seniors like dude who is this guy and uh, like the legend grew kind of like how way later like Ike's legend would grew it's like a whole bunch of oh he hangs out with celebrities or this this award or he's over here and then like it just created this big thing an aura. It's like an yes, aura. Yes, an right? aura, yes. Well, also in home ec, though, did you guys cook or bake? Yes, we did a lot of cooking and learned about stuff like that. And uh, Was that your entree into that world? Well, I, and I first started messing around in the kitchen when I was um, like five years old and six years old. So my mother, going back a little, a little bit in time, is my mother would make breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and... Uh, but I needed more than that, or, you know, I thought I did, or I, I, I don't know, I just ate a lot, especially for my size and my age. So mother was like, hey, here's a refrigerator, here's a, how a microwave works, here's how the stove works, and I was like five and six and seven. Here's how the pots, here's the pan, here's all these things, you can't use these knives, whatever, but like, here's all these things, and if you want anything more than breakfast, lunch, and dinner, here you go. I love it. There's so, it's like, your mom was solving so many problems. For her to keep cooking, yes. For you to not be hungry, and also for you to learn something and to, like take care of yourself. Yeah, so that's awesome. I, I would uh, turn instead of like heating up stuff. I remember I'd bust out the pan, heat it up, put in the leftovers, because I, for me, like uh, heating it up tasted better than microwaving it. And so, but then I was like, oh, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. So then I just started like toasting bread and putting in like lamb in the middle or chicken in the middle or even like rice and yogurt and like just making pita sandwiches or making just uh, sliced bread sandwiches and putting mayonnaise and make, mixing sauces, using salad dressings and cheese and meats and condiments. And so I just started making sandwiches out of everything. So that was my first foray into like making sandwiches. And At like six or seven or how old were you? I was like, yeah, five, six, seven. I remember my masterpiece when I was five masterpiece oh like and, you'll never do anything better than that oh but i mean when i was a five-year-old <laughs> was uh i used to make peanut toast the bread obviously peanut butter and mayonnaise now now i thought it was like the holy grail of sandwiches but as i was bringing it to class as a as a kindergartner and a first grader i remember i forget when it was but the kids made fun of me for it and I felt ridiculed, and like I said, I was already getting beat up every day and all these other stuff. So I like stopped making the peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwich. Maybe that was a good thing because I would eat that like five days a week for school, and then it allowed me to do other things because uh, I didn't want to get made fun of, basically. Although now, and I haven't remade it since, unfortunately, because maybe I should. But I feel like if today I was like, hey, I'm gonna do a peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwich and it's good, I feel like the world, especially San Francisco, would be like, oh, well, I mean, I never thought of it, but because I came up with it, you know, so maybe I should go back, like, just revisit it, mayonnaise and peanut butter toasted on some toasted wheat. The holidays are coming it. up. You got time to, to, screw to mess around at home, right? I, I'm, you know what? I keep saying I'm going to do it, and then I, I keep forgetting. And I'm, maybe that's the Frisco Ike. There you go. The, the Frisco Ike is the peanut butter. I, li I love how you're thinking, Jeff. So you graduated from Oh, man, Mills. I got... I went to Mills, graduated in 96, went to UC Davis. Uh, there's a long story about that, but we'll, we'll skip that. I don't necessarily, it doesn't really uh, gonna help this conversation as much, but I went to Davis. 
and uh, I got kicked out like sophomore year for essentially not going. Um, but that's that nightmare that I still have. It's like <laughs> I'm back in college and I just like forget to go. Yeah. Well, it was uh, I, I was uh, enrolled and I wasn't taking classes. I mean, it was like a replay of my freshman year in high school where I was taking like home ec and stuff like that. But I was taking drama, creative writing, accounting, and I was a computer science and engineering major, which uh, I mean, this is 1996, 1997, 1998. So I was like ahead of my time. I was like, oh, I'm going to study these things and um I don't know. I, I didn't think that I like knew I was doing, but I just that that field sounded really cool. And you know, maybe if I did that, I would also would be way not doing sandwiches right now. Right. Uh, especially getting in at that young of an age or that early in. Um, or you might be doing freeze dried sandwiches. Or right. Something exactly. I'd be, dehydrated. Uh, getting getting ready to put sandwiches on Mars with Elon, right? And uh, so I essentially get kicked out because I was taking like twelve units, and you need to take thirteen units minimum. And my my. Uh, my uh what do you call it guidance counselor kept emailing me and this is back when like you'd only get like three emails so it's not like i didn't see it i just saw it and i was like eh, i don't really want to do that no i don't want to call her no i don't want to call her i mean it sounds like uh i was like i don't really don't want to talk to my my guidance counselor then i tried to sign up for classes and they're like you don't go to school anymore i called her up and she was like well we messaged you like 115 times no well, it was like really like seven or eight times but i never answered and uh, so then I didn't go to school, but I used it as an opportunity to go into business uh, directly for myself. But let me, let me flash forward because sure, sure. when I was um, my freshman year in Davis, because I, I, and the, the longer story that I didn't tell was I actually only applied to one school, and it was UC Davis because I was like, I, it was my dream school to go to. It was my, for me also, it was like my safety school and my number one school. So looking at everything, I was like, I'm going to get in for sure, and then I ended up not getting in. So I didn't have a backup plan. Finally, I... I, I get them to accept me because apparently they had some whatever the reason they end up accepting me but it was way later in the um normal acceptance period that all the dorms were taken okay. so i end up living off campus with a couple of sophomore sorority girls another thing that freshmen don't often yeah they don't get do. to do so i lived off campus as a freshman with a couple of sorority gals that all they ever try to do is get me drunk all the time but since i moved away from home and i wasn't on campus so i didn't get the food plan and everything my mom was like, all right, again, my mom jumps into my life from a culinary standpoint. She goes, here's a rice cooker, here's this, here's spi a spice rack, here's all these things. We, you know, we're going to give you money like as an allowance and stuff like that, but, it, but we're not going to give you enough money so that you can eat out every meal. I want you to learn how to um, sustain for yourself. Okay. So I would like budget and go, okay, I have, I don't remember the amount, but I'd be like, okay, I can eat here, here, and here. That means these other like five meals I need to make. And so during that time, messing around with the spice rack and using the rice cooker to make like stews and, and boil down sauces, I um, came up with a lot of amazing like mixed and matched tastes that I ended up bringing to Ike's later. Right. And I ended up noticing that I really loved mixing spices and making sauces, which as you know is a real big, uh, one of the differentiators at Ike's and one of our specialties here. So if it wasn't for uh, me not getting into college the first time and then finally having them accept me, but then having to live off campus, then also another part, like now I get to um, create great um, sauces and bring them up to Ike's. That was Ike Shahada. 
on the next episode of Storied San Francisco. Ike will tell us all about opening his sandwich shops. Please join us for part two this Wednesday. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 140 episodes over the last three years, and you can find them all at our website, storiedsf.com. While you're there, please check out our store, where in the month of December, we're donating proceeds of all sales to Supply Hope Info, a new nonprofit helping students with distant learning. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can like, comment, and share the stuff we put out. Find our shows just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts, including most recently, BFF.FM's new podcast network. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. We love feedback, so if you have any, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, wear a mask, and stay healthy. podcast is a proud member of the bff.fm podcast network learn more at podcasts.bff.fm bff.fm best frequencies forever